Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. On August 7th, 1998, my guest today, John Lang, was the acting United States ambassador to Tanzania when a truck bomb exploded outside the embassy in Dar es Salaam. He did not know it at the time, but this bombing was part of a coordinated attack on U.S. embassies in the region. Minutes earlier, in Nairobi, Kenya, the U.S. embassy was bombed as well. Al-Qaeda was responsible for these attacks that killed over 200 people. Americans and local staff were killed in both attacks, though the majority of casualties came from the collapse of a building adjacent to the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi. To commemorate the 20th anniversary of these attacks, I invited Ambassador Lang on the show to share his experiences from that day and also reflect on how those attacks changed U.S. diplomacy. Today, Ambassador Lang is a Senior Fellow for Global Health Diplomacy at the United Nations Foundation, and he is a contributor along with 40 other survivors of a special commemorative issue of the Foreign Service Journal, and I'll post a link to that article on globaldispatchespodcast.com. The 1998 U.S. Embassy bombings were a pivotal moment for U.S. diplomacy and world history. In retrospect, they were very much a precursor to the September 11th attacks that drew the United States into conflict in Afghanistan, a conflict that is ongoing to this day. I want to thank Ambassador Lang for being so candid about his experiences and offering his reflections on the meaning of these attacks 20 years later. So here is my conversation with Ambassador John Lang. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, I was the charge d'affaires, in other words, the acting ambassador uh, in the absence of an ambassador for a long time um, at the U.S. Embassy in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Tanzania is a beautiful country, and I had a very nice uh, residence right across the road from the Indian Ocean and um, went to work uh, on a sunny, uh, peaceful day in Dar es Salaam, the morning of August 7th, 1998. And what were you doing that day at, at work, what was kind of the typical day for you as an ambassador or the acting ambassador? Yes, uh, we had a lot of activities that were going on um, in terms of U.S. government uh, presence. Um, we had uh, Peace Corps volunteers. Um, we were trying to uh, help the uh, former president of 
Tanzania, Julius Nyerere, uh, who was facilitating a peace process for neighboring Burundi. Um, uh, Tanzania hosted the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda, based in Arusha, Tanzania, and established by the United Nations. And I had visited uh, the ICTR office. Uh, there were a lot of activities uh, that were going on and that uh, were really uh, important for United States interests and, and um, the world that, uh, that we were working on. It, it, the specific situation I was in at the time uh, when the, uh, the bomb went off was uh, chairing a meeting of the political and economic section of the United States Embassy uh, in Dar es Salaam uh, to talk about a lot of those political and economic issues uh, and, and, that we had been discussing. And, 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 and what happened that, that moment? How did you experience the, the blast? The uh, blast uh, occurred, uh, and uh, we picked the time as 10.39 in the morning uh, on August 7th, uh, local time. And I was um, sitting, uh, chairing this meeting uh, on political and economic issues, and I was sitting in a, on a sofa with my uh, back to the outer wall uh, of my office, and uh, there was a high window. Uh, thankfully, it was above my head, uh, uh, and what ha uh, there was a low rumbling sound that I heard for a second, maybe two, um, before the windows blew in over my head and landed on the people in front of me. And I had about 10 people, both Americans and Tanzanians, were in the room at the time. Um, on all U.S. embassies, there is a, a, a protective uh, shatter-resistant window film on, on, on the windows uh, so that uh, very happily, the glass that came in did not come off in shards uh, that would uh, potentially blind people, but it came off in sheets, uh, which uh, uh, lessened the number of injuries. But there were people who were injured in my office at the time, uh, but I was not injured. Did you realize what was happening at that moment? Uh, very good question. I uh, knew that there had been a, a catastrophic explosion, but I didn't know the nature of it. Uh, and in fact, my uh, wife uh, and daughter, um, who were uh, at home, this was since this was August, my daughter was not in school at the time. Uh, they were at home about a mile away. And it was so loud from there, they thought that a gas tank had exploded next to, to our house. Um, everybody in Dar es Salaam heard it that day, even if they were miles away. Um, and so there's, there, it was clearly a huge explosion. But as I told the, the State Department Operations Center when I called them several minutes later to alert them to what had happened, uh, I didn't know the nature of the explosion. I didn't know that at the time that it had been a, a truck bomb, which is what it really was. And and so your initial response was was to call the the State Department Operations Center. Um, and uh, well, the, uh, let me just if I yeah. could just interrupt there. Uh, my um, I, I called them several minutes later, but what I did when I uh, um, initially was to walk. Uh, uh, out of the the room as the uh, the people who had been with me were trying to gather themselves and um, uh, uh, deal with some um, uh, injuries and uh, uh, and uh, bleeding and um, I, I knew I uh, since I was in charge I had to find out what had gone on so I went downstairs um, one flight of stairs and was called over to an office 
that was uh, on the side of the building where the bomb had gone off because my office was uh, um, around the corner from where the bomb went off. And there was a woman who had just arrived at post uh, at, at the U.S. Embassy to work um, uh, a few days earlier, uh, and she was she had been sitting uh, in an office talking to uh, a woman who had the role as community liaison officer when the bomb went off and um, the uh, the wall blew in this big thick concrete wall blew in in chunks and uh, badly damaged uh, the uh, uh, one of the eyes of uh, the community liaison officer who by then had evacuated uh, but I was called over to there to try to lift the uh, help lift the rubble that uh, uh, the woman uh, her name was Elizabeth Slater was uh, buried in um, almost neck high uh, and um, I ended up uh, uh, taking that uh, rubble off of her along with the two others who were uh, doing it uh, so that she could um, extract herself. And then I went over to what we call post one, uh, which is the most uh, secure room in the entire embassy where the Marine uh, security guards were located. And uh, amazingly, that room itself uh, had shifted by three inches, uh, uh, but uh, the phones were still working. And it's at that point then that I called the State Department. Uh, so it could have been um, eight or 10 minutes after the bomb itself went off. And did, at that point, did the State Department alert you to the bombing that occurred just minutes earlier in Nairobi? Uh, actually, uh, the person who... Uh, uh, a, a person that, who was in the uh, State Department Operations Center, which operates uh, 24-7 uh, every uh, day of the year, uh, a, a person told me that she uh, was with uh, the person who had taken my call. And then immediately uh, after that, or maybe even uh, 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 while I was still on the line, they got the call from Nairobi. I believe that ours uh, that our alert was the first uh, alert that they received. Mm -hmm. And remember, this is not in the days of um, uh, smartphones and text messaging and things like that. So uh, uh, there, there was um, this gap of several minutes between the time the bombs went off in Dar es Salaam and Nairobi and when the State Department Operations Center was alerted. And, and what are you thinking when you learn that this is part of some broader uh, attack on U.S. embassies in Africa? Yeah, that was uh, quite disconcerting. The way I learned it was, I remember um, uh, going um, uh, outside of the embassy and trying to uh, 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 determine what uh, uh, was the situation and, and seeing the medical personnel come to try to take care of those who were um, uh, uh, injured and, and, and died. And at, that, and at one point, one of our um, officers from the State Department came to me and said, uh, uh, something to the effect that he had just heard that the bo a bomb had gone off in Nairobi. And um, in fact, later that day, we were uh, we had heard a rumor that there could even be another U.S. embassy in East Africa that was going to be under attack. And that turned out not to be true. But it, um, it was just, um, uh, it's not like I could 
sit there and reflect on, well, these are two bombs that have gone off and what could this mean? I had to deal with immediate issues because we had to, we medically evacuated the woman who had been our community liaison officer that evening to London. We had all kinds of things that we had to deal with locally, but clearly there was something huge going on in terms of international terrorism as we learned as time went on. So what, what were the, the final numbers uh, in terms of, of number of people killed and injured in, in the attack on the embassy in Dar es Salaam? Yeah, the, uh, the numbers that uh, we uh, uh, have uh, always used, uh, there was, it was uh, in some cases, there was a, it was a little unclear if it was totally accurate because uh, some people died uh, uh, long after the bomb and, and thought it was connected to the bomb. But 11 people died and over 85 were injured in Dar es Salaam, whereas in Nairobi, uh, the number I have heard is 213 people um, had died and uh, about 5,000 were injured. Mm-hmm. And the reason uh, for the big difference, if I could explain it, uh, is that um, in uh, uh, Nairobi, the U.S. Embassy was a high-rise building, and the bomb went off uh, between uh, that high-rise building and another one behind it that ended up collapsing. Um, whereas in Dar es Salaam, uh, the U.S. Embassy was in a, a, a more of a residential area. No buildings were over uh, uh, three or four stories tall. And so instead of having the bomb blast uh, reverberate uh, between um, high-rise buildings, which it would accentuate the uh, damage, um, it, it really spread out. And the second reason why there weren't more deaths in Dar es Salaam is uh, one th- uh, that uh, uh, was uh, sad to say uh, 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 ref- came about uh, because our, our we had a water tank truck that was trying to get out of the embassy parking lot onto the street at that time. And when the bomb went off, the brunt of the blast was taken by this water tank truck filled with water. Sadly, the driver and his assistant, who were our local employees, both died. But I remember hearing from our gunny sergeant who was in charge of the Marine Security Guard Detachment and who happened to be driving back to the embassy just as the blast went off, that he saw the water tank truck as it was it went up three stories and then landed right in front of the building embassy building itself. So it really took the brunt of the blast and saved a lot of lives. Um. What do we know now about who perpetrated these uh, attacks and and not just just who, but what their broader political motives were in attacking these two U.S. embassies? Well, um, it really didn't take long for the investigators, uh, uh, including the uh, FBI, to determine that this was a conspiracy uh, hatched by Osama bin Laden. And in fact, um, I, I have great uh, uh, respect for the way the FBI came in. Uh, they brought in a lot of investigators and they quickly were able to uh, uh, track down what was happening. I even um, recall seeing a, a wanted poster that they had put all around uh, Dar es Salaam. Um, if anybody had clues as to uh, uh, the context, and it had six photographs on it, uh, including a, a few of the uh, perpetrators of the the bombing specific to Dar es Salaam, but also Osama bin Laden's uh, photo. And uh, th- this was uh, 
uh, an incredible event. It was such a wake-up call to the State Department and the, and the Foreign Service in particular as to the threat of international terrorism. Uh, there had been, in 1993, a, a, the, a, an attempt to bomb the, the World Trade Center um, that killed several people and uh, injured others, uh, but did not, of course, um, bring the towers down at that point. Uh, but this was the real wake-up call to the, the Foreign Service to have two U.S. embassies bombed almost simultaneously. And the embassies were in a, in situations where there was uh, no uh, real a previous understanding that the threat of terrorism was as great as it was. In fact, uh, Dar Salaam was officially labeled a low threat post when I went there. And then why not? I mean, it, you know, it, it's a peaceful place, you know, dealing with, you know, typical challenges of a developing country, but not broad security challenges that one might expect in other parts of the world, right? Yes. Well, I, the, uh, the, the, the phrase Dar Salaam means haven of peace. Uh, and um, it was interesting uh, because uh, we received terrific support from the uh, uh, government of Tanzania. I met with President Mkapa, Benjamin Mkapa, um, at, uh, at that time, um, a couple times, in fact, to brief him on the status of the investigation, bringing along the FBI lead for it. And I ended up having... Um, uh, uh, a conversation with the uh, uh, permanent secretary in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs on the afternoon of the bombing. I also uh, met with um, uh, and chatted briefly with the foreign minister, Jakaya Kikwete, who later became the yeah, president, president of Tanzania. Yeah. Yeah, and he actually came to the, uh, the uh, bombed embassy uh, about uh, 30 minutes after the, the bomb had gone off. Um, uh, and I, I, and even before that, the chief of the defense forces had come. I actually uh, have uh, chatted uh, subsequently with uh, President Kikwete, and he still remembers exactly where he was on the day uh, uh, when that bomb went off. And I think everybody in Dar es Salaam remembers it. Um, so, it, uh, it, and yes, it was a uh, a, a haven of peace, uh, and and what was interesting was that the, the Tanzanian government officials, including the permanent secretary, um, just had the, the this idea that uh, yes, terrorism exists in the world, but it happens over there. It, it didn't happen in Tanzania, in part because. Tanzania, under its first president, Julius Nyerere, had had a long history of being a leader in the non-aligned movement. Uh, so they really tried to uh, have a political uh, uh, approach which uh, did not align themselves with uh, the United States or the Soviet Union during the Cold War, but really uh, uh, was trying to be uh, non-aligned. Um, and uh, th that m made them think that they were not uh, going to be subject to a terrorist attack, but clearly Osama bin Laden in this conspiracy uh, had uh, decided to attack the two U.S. embassies, which were relatively soft targets. We had a lot of security at our embassy, and they, of course, had a lot of security at the U.S. embassy in Nairobi. But the, the targets were still relatively uh, soft compared to uh, uh, the uh, how the U.S. embassies in that era were set up for security in areas that were much more dangerous or thought to be more dangerous, such as in the Middle East. And and a few, was it maybe like a week and a half after the attacks, the U.S. government launched cruise missile attacks in, uh, against targets in, in Sudan and Afghanistan. I remember... Um, Actually, I remember watching Bill Clinton give give sort of a speech from the Oval Office uh, on on that day, announcing these these military actions. And 
I remember it came at sort of a very chaotic political time here in the United States. It was like right around when the, the Lewinsky scandal was, was breaking. I think he had, president had just given some testimony and, in uh, has, had just testified in the, the, the Lewinsky scandal. And there was like a lot of, of, um, it's like political intrigue around that. But I, I remember gravely the, the, um, sort of announcement that, that the president made on, on TV that night. Um, I guess looking back, do you believe that response was was appropriate and and justified? Um, I was not privy to all of the uh, background as to why that was done, um, and I, uh, I I'm not convinced it was uh, justified. But I really don't want to make a, a judgment one way or the other. Um, it's um, uh, there there may be more facts that I'm not aware of. Because there's but, some controversy um, over the target in, in Sudan, whether or not it was actually a military target or a chemical weapons factory or just a pharmacy, a pharmaceutical plant. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I just have to say that at that time, uh, we were uh, totally focused on trying to resurrect our operations. Uh, you mentioned President Clinton. Uh, he called me on um, the Friday afternoon um, of August 7th, 1998, um, to uh, express his sympathy for the uh, those who had uh, died in um uh, or been injured in their families, uh, and also to um, uh, ask uh, for uh, a strong support for the investigation um, of, the, of the terrorist act. And uh, I, I still remember, I've testified in all three trials in uh, New York City uh, that have been uh, uh, against the, those who were part of the conspiracy, uh, and all of the defendants have been uh, sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. Uh, at least I believe it's without parole. Um, and um the um uh, and the way the FBI is able to testify and to make the connection between this um uh used uh, 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 truck that was uh, purchased and with, which where, where the bomb was in when it went off uh and uh, and uh and and uh, how that they can trace that back to whoever was uh, uh involved in the conspiracy is really quite impressive. So, so as you mentioned earlier, several of the suspects were arrested, um, extradited and convicted in the United States. And, and, and you just said you, you testified at those trials. Um, how cathartic was testifying to you personally as like, as the victim of, of a terrorist attack? I mean, what, what's going through your mind as, as you're testifying in these trials and, and sort of looking back at it, um, was that like a healing process for you? Uh, yes, um, uh, although I don't think it's ever fully healing um, because uh, there's still a uh, 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 still a, uh, was the uh, the worst, certainly the worst day of my professional career. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, responsible uh, for the U.S. Embassy in Dar es Salaam, and 11 people died on my watch. Uh, but at the same time. Um, uh, to me, the, the pursuit of justice and, and something that really makes me proud to be an American is uh, quite important. Uh, uh, there was a, a woman uh, who was uh, a Fulbright Fellow um, in Dar es Salaam uh, at the uh, uh, time of the bombing who had been married to a, a Kenyan, and they were both planning to move to the United States uh, in about a week. Her name is Susan Hirsch. And um, she was in the embassy cashing a check when her husband, uh, 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 whose uh, name was Jamal, uh, decided to wait outside. And when the bomb went off, he was killed. Uh, she um, 
uh, ended up uh, following the first trial in New York very closely and even wrote a book um, called In the Moment of Greatest Calamity, which examined the important role that the quest for justice can play um, in the recovery of for survivors of terrorism. And I really give her a lot of credit for, for all of that um, work and, and following that, because bringing them to justice uh, is a very important um, aspect of this. Uh, when uh, Osama bin Laden was captured uh, by the Obama administration, uh, there were uh, a, a, a lot of emails going back and forth among those of us who had gone through the bombing in Dar es Salaam about, um, we finally got the guy. How did you feel that, that that day, that moment when you realized that uh, Osama was was killed, was was gone? Yeah, no, I was. Um, uh, I think that uh, we did our best to bring him to justice, and um, and while he, it wasn't through trial, uh, he um, uh, had uh, done such a terrible, uh, uh, terrible uh, uh, deed in um, not only in Dar es Salaam and Nairobi, but of course 9/11 and, and uh, the USS Cole and other attacks that he perpetrated. Um, so I mean, uh, he, he, he just. He deserved punishment, shall we say? So you know, August seventh, obviously, you know, it comes every year. How do you deal with it? How do you sort of prepare yourself for 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 that that date, that moment? Well, uh, as the person who had been in charge of the embassy in Dar es Salaam, I have kept in touch with. Uh, a large number of uh, both Americans and Tanzanians uh, we're now kind of scattered around the world some still are in Dar es Salaam a lot of the Americans are back in the United States some are still in the uh, US government service and uh, living in different parts of the world uh, even some of the Tanzanians have uh, served uh, after after working for a considerable period for the US government uh, in Dar es Salaam have now moved to the United States with uh, green cards as uh, immigrant visas and and um, with that group, uh, every year around August 7th, um, I end up sending an email kind of giving a personal update of family matters, but also uh, emphasizing how uh, we're thinking of you. And, um, and that generates a lot of other emails from folks. And they, they can get quite emotional, actually, because this uh, the reminder of what we all went through is uh, it, can, it can be quite uh, emotional for all of us. There's a new... Uh, a, uh, issue out of the Foreign Service Journal, uh, which is available on the web. It's a publication of the American Foreign Service Association. And the July-August issue of the Foreign Service Journal, July-August 2018, um, has, uh, uh, I think it's 40 stories from uh, those who uh, had gone through the bombings in Nairobi and Dar es Salaam. Uh, and uh, quite emotional. Most people who read it can't read more than a few of those at a time because of uh, what people went through and, and and now have put to print as to, as to what they went through. So it really is a quite an emotional period. And this year, uh, unlike uh, uh, recent years, we're actually having a, a, an event at the State Department uh, that uh, will be open to the public uh, at noon on Monday, August 6th. Uh, uh, 2018 uh, that will um, include some panel discussions and reflections and it will be it's um, being organized by the United States Diplomacy Center and will be held in the State Department so it's a more formal um, way of uh, uh, commiserating uh, there's also often um, uh, people who can make it will often go to Arlington National Cemetery on August 7th right about the time when the bombs uh, went off uh, 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 around uh, 1035 to 1039 in the morning uh, because there's a plaque in 
uh, Arlington Cemetery, as there is in the State Department in Washington, uh, that uh, lists the name of those who were in U.S. government service and, and died in the, the two bombings. And uh, that's a place for people to uh, get together and um, pay their respects. Um, so, so looking back over these last 20 years, how did these bombings uh, affect, and, or did they affect, the conduct of, of U.S. diplomacy or, or shape U.S. diplomacy? What we do see uh, are some of the longer-lasting implications of, of this event 20 years ago. It's an interesting question. I, I think you um, have to put it also in the context of not just of these events, but other events, and particularly 9-11, uh, w- w- which resulted in a major uh, revision or uh, a change in the structure of the U.S. government and creation of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, in terms of the State Department and our U.S. embassies and consulates abroad, uh, this wake-up call really resulted in uh, a significant new um, uh, congressional appropriations to build new embassies uh, that were secure. And uh, in the uh, first decade of this century, uh, there was a major effort to uh, uh, build new secure embassies. Both uh, Nairobi and Dar es Salaam, of course, have uh, those new secure embassies. Um, I I find that uh, I, I hear a lot of criticism about U.S. embassies being fortresses and you can't enter it. And uh, and uh, the, the, the theory that people seem to have is that the, the uh, Americans who are working there just sit in the embassy all day long and don't really mingle with the people in the country to which they are uh, assigned. And, and that's not really true. Um, uh, but uh, we all need to have a secure place to work. And given the fact that U.S. embassies have been shown to be a target uh, for certain terrorists, I think there's no question you have to have that security. What I find is that the embassies that were built uh, decades ago and have been retrofitted for this new security often ha- can have a very uh, unpleasant and foreboding kind of a uh, look to them because of they had to add on the security, whereas if the, the, the ones that are newly built tend to be uh, much uh, better designed um, and uh, look more uh, uh, enticing and, and uh, welcoming, even though when you look closely, you may realize that one of the means of protection is that there's this nice rolling hill in, uh, before, between the road and the embassy that would be very difficult for a vehicle to drive on, for example. Yeah, it's it's interesting that like the design of of embassies is one key legacy of this. I'm thinking of the U.S. mission in New York, for example, as a good example of that kind of fortress-like look, um, with no windows on like the lower floors, kind of kind of things. That that seems to be at least one um, lasting legacy of of these bombings. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um... I don't know that we had certain security standards before 1998, including uh, the idea of having a hundred foot setback between the road and the building itself. The problem was um, we didn't have the money to um, build um, dozens and dozens and dozens of new embassies. We meaning uh, my old uh, agency, the state department um, uh, to to build those embassies uh, in a secure fashion. So that, uh, uh, and, and the, the effort to build uh, lots of new embassies in a prioritized way going uh, first for those that are the uh, uh, most insecure uh, was what really occurred after uh, 1998. I, I don't know if the, if they changed the 
the specifications and requirements for security, but certainly the effort to build them and to take the the, 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 the requirements very seriously and to not just easily give out exceptions uh, came about after the two embassies were bombed simultaneously. I guess finally, just just to, to wrap up, does do the bombings affect your work today as a senior fellow for global health diplomacy with the United Nations Foundation? I mean, does it impact your day-to-day work, either both both personally or um, perhaps just like the, the legacy of, of those bombings? Well, uh, here at the United Nations Foundation Washington office, we're one half block west of the White House. Uh, and so I'm always cognizant of the fact that uh, the White House, no matter who is president of the United States, has to be a target for some terrorist in the world. Uh, but I also am cognizant of the fact that we have um, probably some of the world's best security around here um, uh, with a very uh, clear uh, police and, and, and security presence uh, uh, in this area. Uh, I um, So you think about terrorism every day? Uh, I, I, it's it's not like it's uh, uh, weighing on my mind every day, it, uh, but uh, but I'm I'm just always aware of my surroundings, hmm. uh, and uh, I have to say as as it, August seventh approaches each year, it, it it clearly becomes something that uh, uh, I'm uh, thinking more and more about because my friends um, who went through the bombing, uh, in fact, even in that. Um, those are different articles that I mentioned in the current issue of the Foreign Service Journal make it very clear that people, <clears throat> some of them uh, have post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, have been uh, treated for that. Uh, there's uh, just a, a, a lot of um, emotions come about. And uh, for me, it it's kind of peaks each year at, on August 7th. Uh, well, Ambassador, thank you so much for your time and for sharing uh, these thoughts, your your reflections uh, about this uh, commemoration. And um, you know, my my best of luck to you on on August seventh and and for the and August sixth at the State Department as well. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate talking to you, Mark. Appreciate it very much. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Ambassador Lang for being so candid and, and so personal about his experiences and for offering us some, some broader lessons that we can all learn uh, about these attacks. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.